And welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Going for Two, presented by Homefield Apparel. I am your host, the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter, Matt Brown. I'm joined by my colleague, my co-host, and now fellow graduate of a Big Ten institution, Brian Fisher. Welcome to the big family. I'm I'm excited to be here. You know, it's funny because I was always thinking, I was like, oh, it'll be a nice slow but rest of the couple of days after we get back from NACTA, everybody was saying they were going to take some vacation time before the fourth and relax. And I was thinking, all right, well, maybe I'll, I'll even get to sleep in a little bit. I definitely did not end up doing that in Vegas for work related reasons. I should underscore, but sure. uh, you know you what? Never it's, do uh, it's, it's uh, you start getting some phone calls and some, uh, some texts early in the morning. And you're just like, really today of all days. It is. I, I to underscore that, you know, one, I think I might've picked, the worst time possible to get COVID because I not only missed some important details on the whack Southland, which I will write about next week. Which is clearly the, the driving force. <laughs> of clearly. Well, I, I mean, that w- I mean, that's kind of part of the extra points beat. And I was upset that I had was sleeping for 21 hours a day. and missed that event. You know, there's this, this gigantic conference with all these administrators and chance to talk about things in person. And it's funny because early this week, I had a chance that I was talking with with uh, somebody I uh, you know in the industry that works in conference realignment a lot. I've talked to the other ads about this because people know that I write about this all the time. And it was literally, this is the dead period because every the administrators and the presidents were out of town a lot in June. There's not an incentive to rush through anything in July because of the way that media contracts and the academic year line up. If there's ever going to be a dead period, this was hearing from industry people that work in this world, like it's around the 4th of July. Everyone's already burned out anyway. So I woke up today. I, I'm recording this here on uh, on Thursday afternoon. I'm like, all right. Got a little EA Sports scoop that I can go share that's really inside baseball, but those have been performing pretty well. Got a couple other like industry interviews. And you know what? Now that things are finally slow, I'm going to write about cricket. I'm going to write about college cornhole. And I had a couple other things on the calendar. And of course, completely blown, blown up. And let me, I want to talk about this here, but before I get into it, there's something I want to get off my chest right, right up front of Ben. You probably know more about this world than I do. I was wrong. I was wrong about several things, I think, over the last several months. And and I, I I will come clear, right? I have been a skeptic of the idea that we were lurching towards an immediate power two or centralized P5 consolidation on an, on this immediate timetable, you know, over a three, four year period, anything's possible. But as I, but you know, and this is not something that I just made up, right? This was talking to other ads. This was talking to television people. There was this thinking here: Big Ten's not likely to expand this summer. This is that is likely to be a conversation, perhaps as they head into their next media deal, because this was likely to be a short-term deal. And then, with more clarity about what the market was actually going to open up for the Pac-12 or open up for the Big 12, or what things got a little bit cheaper, perhaps for the ACC. Um, so that is what I but but smart people have been telling me for a while. That's what I've been relaying this idea of like there's going to be a P5 breakaway. We're going to go to this 40 team champions league. And I'm like, that sounds more sports radio than what I hear from people in the industry. And I am not afraid to admit this. I was completely blindsided by this news. I was blindsided by it because I had asked 
uh, you know, this was a this was a message board trope. About, like, I feel like two months ago, and I had asked about it, and I'm like, no, the timing doesn't really make sense. It's not really an imminent thing. People I knew in the Pac-12 did not see this coming. There was this idea that Cal and UCLA share the same regents. It's part of the same university system. They're not going to break up. There's all of this history. UCLA has been, you know, threatening this for a hundred years, and it's, it's never it's never actually worked out. So, I was wrong. And I look at the world now and I looked at a lot of the assumptions that I have used as like frame of reference for how I evaluate these rumors, how I evaluate what power institutions are going to do, things that were, you know, born out of reality. I think a lot of that ecosystem has to go completely out the window today. Like I, if, if you weren't already in a brave new world, we definitely are today. Yeah, I mean, talk about, uh, you know, the, the Big 12 commissioner hire. You would think that would be a momentous time in the industry and it just gets completely blown away pretty much the next day. And I, I think that does kind of speak to the changes going on. I mean, and, and not only are they, they seismic, but uh, they're happening fast and furious to your, to your point. Like, I, I don't think anybody just in terms of timing, like that, that's always the thing that, that everybody speaks to. Yeah. You could kind of piece together some things. Maybe you heard a rumor here and there, but nobody ever expects the momentum for these things go get that ball rolling down the hill as quickly as it ends up happening. And um, it, it's been wild to, to think of, of all this um, just, just movement and, and how much more we still have to go. Right. That, that is to me, the key thing is this is only going to be the first in a number of dominoes. And uh, now everybody's left scrambling. The certainly there, there are machinations within conferences and bylaws getting reexamined. And yeah. um, you know, you, a move like this, much like Texas and Oklahoma, less than a year ago is going to impact so many schools, so many university systems, and it impacts a lot of you know companies. And I think the thing that I, I picked up, you know, uh, this past week in NACTA, we'll, we'll get into that much, much later, of course, as we, as we discuss things yeah. uh, here with the, the topic du jour of the day. But, you know, somebody was, was mentioning, you know, that uh, this has, has changed significantly from being a relationship business much more of one that is driven by some of the hard numbers, by looking at some of the balance sheets, by a lot more business people getting into college athletics, certainly seeing an opportunity um, to not only make money, but expand um, the amount of money uh, quickly over the next couple of decades, given the interest in college athletics, given the fan bases that are so inherently focused on their own schools and, and what they, that, that brand connection that is uh, hard to find even at the professional level, you know, at the professional level, you might like an athlete more than you might like say the New York Yankees or the New York Mets or the LA Dodgers. Now that, that's how, especially some of the younger folks coming up, uh, you know, kind of look at, at some of those professional yeah. sports, but you can't take that diploma off your wall and, and throw it down. You know, you're, you're still connected to those schools in, in, in ways that, um, you know, are, are hard to suffer. And I think that has been a big change is, um, you know, the, the market, itself the media ecosystem has seen that they, they understand the power of the, a lot of these big brands like usc and ucla and understand that there's uh, some money to be made uh, in terms of their relationship with their fan bases and uh, with games like this that they're going to get in terms of marquee network so uh, a lot happening this week i just wish it were another week but uh we, we are sitting here and we are dealing with some some big aftershocks uh, coming it, 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 it's huge so just a couple hours before you and I were talking. I was I was on the phone with uh, Richard Dur Duran, who's the athletic director at Incarnate Word, right? And the other big realignment, you know, news. I, I say this facetiously, right? It was UIW at the last possible minute deciding to stay in the Southland rather than going to the WAC. And we were, we were talking about all of this, and he's like, "You can, you know, 
draw a line between some of the decisions that we were having to grapple with here at this kind of lower level, uh, smaller budget division one decision. You can draw a pretty straight line to how we got to that conversation through Oklahoma and Texas making that decision. It took an entire year and it changed most conferences in college sports, um, places that had nothing to do with Texas and Oklahoma. It shifted the Ohio Valley Conference. It ultimately led to dominoes that shifted the America East, all of these other things here. And we were just joking about trying to game out what this might mean for everyone else. And like, that's going to take another year. That's going to be, it's going to be another cycle, but this will, do, do I think that there will be an impact on the mountain West on potentially the big sky on certainly the whack, which is also is, which never really settled to begin with uh, based on what's happening here uh, and what could happen with the big 12 and the summit and con- yes, like there, and, and we haven't even begun to kind of try to game these things out here because the ADs are, are trying to make these same calls and the consulting companies are trying to make the same calls. But the timeline for all of that has been expedited. This, I think a similar thing with Texas and Oklahoma. We talked about this last year. It wasn't that they were jump, leaving the league that I think blew people's minds. I, I, I that the idea that Texas and Oklahoma were going to go shopping was not sh- totally shocking when it happened. And how quickly it happened was was what was surprising here, and that and to me that, that that's what the same thing is uh, is here too. Without waiting to get a real idea about what the Pac-12 media rights are going to look like, or, or what, what the marketplace will bear, or even what the transformation committee is going to end up doing, just like nope, get the bag now. And that it's it, even setting us like I haven't even begun to wrap my head around what this means on the field how I feel about it as a fan of a big 10 institution and how this will change my like consumption patterns. Just like it, it's honestly, this feels like a bigger thing to me than Texas and Oklahoma. I understand not everybody else in the industry feels that way, but while that kind of opened up a gigantic Pandora's box, I feel like th- this really makes it very clear that we are entering a very different era in college sports. And it is one that is closer to the EPL. It is one that is more corporatized uh, one that is far less tradition or regionalist or anything else that were kind of guiding principles. I know that that was increasingly not part of the deal. Like it's definitely not part of the deal now. Like we're now, and now we're going to end up with like a, a Wednesday night volleyball game between Rutgers and UCLA. And we're going to say, pretend that that's good. Well, yeah. Per- pretend is, is, is an operative word. And, but I mean, just look at the map, look at the map. To it's USC and UCLA. You know what? You know what, you know what so, one, somebody pointed out this looks like the le- like the map of every professional sports league in 1954, which yeah. is, which which is pretty funny. Like ignoring the South, I, I will make. I made this quip on Twitter, uh, but this isn't an exactly new idea. Brian, you probably know about this, and other college sports history heads heard about the airplane conference, which was like the initial before there was a Pac-12. This was the initial brainchild. This is what UCLA really wanted. Hey, let's grab USC. Let's grab a couple of the premier West Coast programs. Let's partner with Notre Dame and Penn State and Army and Navy and you know a couple other Southern schools. We'll move into divisions. We'll play the championship in the Rose Bowl. Make it you know for TV and be like and you know that was revolutionary in what 1960. Now it's finally happened. And I I, I will say this from my texting conversations over the last several hours and one that seems to be reiterated by a few other national reporters, I don't think the Big Ten is done. Or at the very least, the Big Ten would like to not be done, whether that means that inc- whether that includes Washington, 
which it fits the institutional profile of the uh, both market and AAU and sports tradition as the LA schools, whether that means Oregon, not quite the same thing ac uh, academically or historically, but athletically, financially, everything else up there, whether that means Notre Dame, which is not as difficult to extract from their ACC agreement as perhaps we might have thought. Um, I don't think the final way I, I, I was, I was joking. I wouldn't buy a t-shirt of what the big 10 looks like now because the big 10 might look different in two months. Uh, certainly. I think that is the, the industry consensus is that the big 10 is not done yet. And, and I think it's important to kind of maybe take a step back and understand that this is the, much like Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, although there were discussions beforehand, this is essentially the, you know, the, the two schools saying, you know, what, we're going to leave where, where can we go? And uh, honestly, if you're the Big Ten, you can't say no to brands like USC and UCLA, nope. knowing the value that they add, not just to your conference, but um, you know, if you're in, in Indiana or Rutgers, I mean, we, we, we joke about it all the time, but those are real dollars that can help you. I mean, just this week, Rutgers, it came out that Rutgers was getting $100 million for, for uh, facilities improvements from the state. And now if you're saying, well, we can actually get that through media dollars, well, that's, that's, a, that's a big break for a lot of taxpayers there in the state of New Jersey. So um, you know, there, there are secondary concerns to a lot of this that uh, end up having a, a wide-ranging impact but i mean yeah. you know, even even in the pac-12 you mentioned oregon and washington earlier there i mean those are two presidents right now that are kind of in the thick of things uh, in terms of actually running the league they you know are those two presidents a big help in terms of finding george klyovkov uh, and, and picking him to be the next pac-12 commissioner and then now they're in kind of that uh, unique position to where yeah they, they want to hold the pac-12 together but Maybe they only want to hold the Pac-12 together until they know that they have a good landing spot uh, somewhere a little bit further east. So it is unique times for just about everybody in the industry. And truthfully, this has been something that everybody understands. You got to be able to pivot. You got to be able to move quickly. And I think that is the, the biggest lesson over the last, say, two, two and a half years is everybody's understanding that uh, the old way of doing things is no longer a way of doing things right now. You have got to be nimble. You have got to pivot on a dime and you've got to continually be looking out for your school, your program and understanding what might be the right fit. For yeah. Um, and, and quite frankly, what might be that you have to look out for your school in the short term. I, I, I don't think anybody can necessarily say that this is autumn. We know this is the best thing for UCLA over a 50 year period. We don't know exactly how UCLA fans or other people will necessarily respond. We don't really know what the college sports industry is going to be like in 30, 40 years. But nobody at UCLA right now gets paid to think that way. It's, it's just like with a public corporation, right? You got to maximize your shareholders. You got to, and, and especially for UCLA, which is, you know, in debt up to their eyeballs and and actually like needs a cash infusion. It makes sense to to to, to grab this now, and, and that, that's the same thing with everybody else. Rose Bowl tradition. Any of the other things that used to be, you know, that you would get up there and tell people that were, were sacred, you, you can kind of throw it out there. And this is part of what's so surprising to me about this. I mean, one, you got Klyavkov saying like a month ago, no, I'm not worried about any other school, any league poaching my institutions right now. Hey, we got this handshake agreement that they they dragged us all to, we all made fun of them. And they dragged us to this Zoom call where they said they're not going to poach anybody. And they're going to work together on 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 sharing a, a, a shared vision for college sports. And not just historically, but even on a contemporary basis, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are really aligned in, in, in terms of what the, what they purported to want college athletics to be. Their shared commercial interest in the, in the Rose Bowl, their shared commercial interest in working together. You would think these would be the last two leagues that would knife each other. And that's exactly what Kevin Warren did. And, and I mean, now we don't even know if there's going to be a Pac-12. 
Um, conferences are hard to kill. We said this about Conference USA last year, and they kind of staggered their way through. And there's a couple of different pathways for the, the, the league to continue here. But all of that, to say nothing of internal university in California politics, makes this really surprising. That it's, It is not how college sports have worked for 100 years. As mercenary and as capitalistic and as hypocritical as the industry has been, and if anyone wants to go throw a book at me, like I'm right there with you. I'm not saying I'm not romanticizing anything here. I'm just saying this is this is really out of left field, and it's it, it's a it's a big shock. Yeah, a big shock to the system that, uh, like we keep saying, you know, is is going to continue to reverberate all the way down the, the totem pole. I mean. Honestly, nobody's really certain in terms of what college athletics really looks like. I mean, they're they're hopeful for the future, but there are lawsuits out there that could deem players employees. Like that, that is a big threat that I know a lot of people have talked about quite a bit. You know, if if college athletics, uh, this this uh, ecosystem is now college athletics Inc. and split off separately from from university, how will that change things? You know, will will, will that be the 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 next move? Next big domino. I mean, Jack, uh, Jack Swarbrick said it was, it might take till the 2030s to get there. Well, maybe, maybe not even, we, we won't even have to wait till then. Right. You know, like th- this is some of those moves that you could say, you know what, maybe it, it goes even faster, which Two and, years. yeah, honestly, I mean, you look at uh, all some of the transformation topics that the uh, big discussion this, this past week about what the transformation can like people, there's a, there's a board meeting today on Thursday, you know, like, uh, yeah. You know, and and it's, it's so hard to like news and it's going to be like, that is the third thing on the agenda today. Nobody, no, ain't no, listen, like I made my career on the nitty gritty. Nobody fucking cares about scholarship limits now. <laughs> like all, all that stuff is completely, uh, is completely out the door, uh, and and it's funny. Like I had, I actually have an open tab here. The Swarbrick's remarks. This was at the end of April, and I remember writing. I didn't think that the breakup of Division One was inevitable. I didn't think that what Swarbrick was nece- was writing about here was um, destined to absolutely happen. I didn't. I, I was arguing that I don't think you necessarily needed to consolidate these leagues to still have championship access, and you didn't necessarily need to have the same amount of money for championship access. And I remember when I published that, like the pushback I got was not from the industry. And yet here we are. I mean, like you know, late, late April and he was saying 2030s. Now, like, I think, I think all bets are off. Um, there, I, I want to talk about this from both a competitive standpoint. And I also want to talk about this from the fan standpoint um, before we kind of get into everything else here, uh, big picture, but, but, but very quickly before we do, cause I know I'm about to, I'll probably end up going on some other kind of uh, rant again. Uh, let me just quickly highlight our dear friends at Home Field Apparel. Um, they make comfortable, officially licensed, unique vintage collegiate apparel. They just came out with an excellent new collection celebrating Washington State. Uh, they are this week celebrating a longtime and important institutional Big Ten member, Nebraska. Um, and there's, of course, there's a whole bunch of cool things you could do with, with vintage corn cup people, right? They make extra points shirts. I'm still wearing the, the old logo with the bag man, which feels particularly apropos to give, given what we're talking about now and the important desire to secure the bag. But if you want to go get go, be, go contemporary, they have USC and they have UCLA and they have Appalachian State, which, I mean, shit, by the time we finish this episode, maybe App State's in the Big Ten. I don't know anymore. It could be the SEC, right? You know, it's not just the Big Ten that's expanding. It's 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 going to be everything. The dude of West Virginia and the weirdest conference realignment Twitter people were right. The experts were wrong. Up is down. Cats, dogs joining conferences together to play a championship game against pigeons. Who knows? The only thing we can count on in these turbulent times is home field apparel, and you can use uh, promo code Extra Points 
to save 15% off your order to get comfortable, unique, interesting t-shirts, hoodies, uh, doggers, all other manner of, of collegiate apparel. Um, quickly, I would like to talk about what this means just competitively, like setting aside the existential stuff. And I'm going to, that, you know, we'll make some phone calls and make charts and try to game out what this might look like for a couple other places. But just from the strength of the product, what do you think this change means for the Big Ten or the Pac-12? Well, it means a whole lot to the Pac-12. I mean, you're talking about your flagship brands, not just in football, but, uh, you know, men's basketball. Like, truly, the, the true flagship brands of the Pac-12 are now no longer there. And they have been for not just the last couple of years, you know, yes, they've, they've had their, their dips certainly recently, but um, historically, I mean, this is a, a huge part of that Pac-10 going back Pac-12 identity. I, I mean, it, it, it's crazy to think that everybody was talking when Riley came out to USC, he was going to be the savior for the Pac-12, right? He was going to restore yeah. USC and that flagship brand on the West Coast. And, and really be able to lead that conference in, and uh, help it on the media rights table to where it lifts all those brands up. And now that is no longer the case. Having UCLA basketball back in the Final Four recently, I mean, there's uh, it's wild to think that is not going to be the case anymore, that they're going to be adding them to play Ohio State and Michigan and hoops, you know, and, and obviously the, the ramifications on football uh, are, are well known. But th- th- these are also two schools that have – you know, almost 200 national champ- over 200 national championships uh, between the two of them, nearly 250, if, if uh, my math would uh, come come to me in terms of the actual total number that each school has. But this is a, a big move for for volleyball. You know, like this is a, a big move. These are uh, two great baseball, softball brands. Um, like this is a, a huge thing for the Big Ten and really their Big Ten, Big Ten media rights partners um, to add additional windows where you can showcase brands out east and in, in the West Coast. Showcase West Coast brands out east, and I, I think it it means a lot certainly to the Pac Pac ten more than or Pac twelve more than anything. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see because we don't know this is that this is the final move, right? There could be travel partners that USC and UCLA join. Maybe it is Washington, like you mentioned. Maybe it is Oregon. Maybe it is somebody else that we're not even thinking of. Yeah. Uh, it, it, real quick, it is funny to think about Seattle and Los Angeles as travel partners when that's still like what like fifteen hundred miles away. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a good flight. And I, I, you know, it's funny. I was chatting with somebody, you know, the other day at at NACA. It's just like, you know, how, how are you dealing with flight prices rising so much right now? That is a big concern for a lot of ADs. Um, Now, now you're having to throw in cross country travel like this. I mean, it almost makes sense now for, for some of these schools to go out and literally buy a private jet so they can control some of the travel costs. They will certainly have the money to do that going forward, uh, given some of the payouts they're going to get, but you know, it is enormous. Yeah, it is really, truly enormous in so many of those other sports. Um, talk about a huge boost to Big Ten baseball, which has mostly sucked uh, outside of, um, you know, one really good year for Michigan and Maryland and Nebraska have occasionally you know, elevated that brand a little bit. Here are two programs that care a lot. Big Ten softball is going to get a hell of a lot better, which 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 is great. But you're, you're yeah, you are you're not just taking away fans that would buy tickets at all these other events you're not just taking some of your flagship football properties i mean which for being honest the last decade the best football in the pac-12 has not been played in los angeles um and many of the best players in the pac-12 footprint have not been staying in los angeles and that's even been true on the, on the basketball side but you know, financially all of that it's backbreaking um and if oregon and or and or washington or quite frankly one of the bay area schools leave then I, it's hard for me to see how, how you rebound from any of that. Um, I can just say as 
a fan of a Big Ten institution and has grown as somebody who's grown up watching a, a lot of a lot of a lot of that uh, that inventory, those games. I mean, the idea of Ohio State UCLA football is pretty cool. The idea of watching Michigan and USC or Penn State or some of, some of these programs or some more regular season games in the Rose Bowl, it's pretty cool. The fact that it will mean fewer games between historic Big Ten opponents, I think, sucks, and w- w- which we've talked about before. Um, if you live in Chicago and you're hoping to see like your alma mater come through, well, the, the bigger your conference is, the less likely that is that that's going to happen. And also, guys, there are lo- logistical problems with being a coast-to-coast conference. If you are trying to occupy, you know, multiple TV windows, if you're in California and you're in New Jersey, that means that sometimes your East Coast team is tipping off at eight o'clock at night local in Los Angeles. This is what happens with the NBA, which means that if you're like a Knicks fan, sometimes you're going to play the Lakers and the game is going to go on way past your bedtime and you're going to sleep because you're an old. And that you can mitigate that a little bit in college sports when you're in, when you're in more localized time zones. You can't do that if you're East Coast and Pacific Coast. So that means if you're a big a fan of UCLA football, get ready for some 9 a.m. local football games to get the body clock smacked out of you because that will be your life. Well, who, and, who's, the, who's the first uh, Pac-12 team to experiment with uh, those 9 a.m. kickoff games? It was it was USC. So they, they have some experience, right? Yeah, yeah. that's that's going to be a thing. And there's going to be Big Ten basketball that that finishes past midnight locally, which sucks. And I mean, I realize that it's it's almost a joke to point this out. And I realize that that anybody that's going to get up there in front of a microphone in a couple of days and lie about this, we should make fun of them for it. But on no planet is this a good idea to help the college athlete experience. That is so much travel. If you're going to move every single one of these sports, except for apparently beach volleyball, which, okay, um, you're going to be sending a bunch of volleyball players and softball players, anybody that competes midweek on cross-country flights, and then sit there and lie and say that that's good for missing class or for academic achievement or injury management, like that's horseshit. Like there's no other way around it. You know, you're going to make a hundred million dollars and maybe you use that to buy some more trainers, or maybe you end up using that to directly pay athletes. But there's a lot of negative externalities that come from this. Forget tradition for a second. Forget what it means if you're a Washington state or a Colorado or a Utah fan, because you're, you might, you might be screwed like Utah I hate to break it to you, but you might end up in a league with BYU again in like in nine months, as much as you complained about that. But it sucks for fans and it sucks for anybody that has to get on one of those airplanes. Absolutely. And I mean, I think there are, you know, it is interesting to see the kind of the, the fan perspective and, and how it, it probably varies, you know, quite a bit in terms of the dichotomy between USC and UCLA fans. These are two very, very separate fan bases, although they do intermingle there in Los Angeles. Um, you know, like they're, they're, they're different. Obviously, USC is a private school, much smaller than UCLA. Uh, they're, they're both very you know, highly selective. They, they, they have a, some unique uh, alumni out there. And I, I think the USC fans, especially the, the diehard football fans, probably this move is, is a lot more appealing to them than, say, the diehard UCLA football fan. And, and I would say I think right. the inverse is, is going to be true uh, on the basketball side. So that, that to me is something that I, I don't think either athletic department, they probably had, they did have some, you know, probably feeling out to, amongst some fans, you know, what, what do you think about this? But um, it's it just, it's just such a wild move to kind of comprehend uh, as it, as it becomes official. 
but I, we we can get to those down in the future because this, this we don't know if this is this is this certainly not just the only move that the Big Ten is going to make. This is not not the current iteration of the future that we're we're, we're looking at, right? It, you know, this this is obviously this could be the precursor. This could be um, you know the fact that uh, this this might not be talking about nine conference games in football. Maybe you only have one non-conference opponent when you're playing ten. You might in our SEC football games, right? You know, I, that that would be a tremendous driver of media rights, and and maybe at the end of the day, uh, in, in addition to playing those additional conference games, maybe in terms of competing for the national championship or the national uh, college football playoff, you know, you're you're talking about the the best of the Big Ten versus the best of the SEC. Um, you know, there is no as as it stands now, come 2025, there is no no postseason structure in college football. You know, that is important to keep in mind. That was reiterated to me by somebody in the SEC um, you know, just recently is that you know what, there's there's a blank check and there is a blank piece of paper sitting there in, in 2025. And while the presidents and the, and the CFP board of managers, well, that was going to be their focus over the next uh, eight or nine months to with, with the aim of something happening next summer. Well, now now that aim might be a little bit different considering who is involved in those discussions right now. Man, that's that, that's a great point. I, I So I, I got to be honest here. One, we didn't even get a chance to talk about NACTA. We didn't even get a chance to talk about NCAA transformation stuff or anything independent of this. I also know that both of us are, are running up here on, on hard stops. So if you are listening to this and you're like, I need more uh, analysis of, of what just happened, I'm going to write that up on Extra Points, which you can find at extrapointsmb.com. There's going to be, this is not going to be a newsletter where I'm just throwing in the podcast. There's going to be a bunch of extra, you know, kind of uh, di- digs into this. Brian, we're going to have to talk next week, I think, about all of the other administrative stuff, which I think is super important just because our world got blown up. I want to talk about the video game today. I wanted to talk about silly things. We don't get to do that right now. Um, you can also, I wanted to talk about it too. I mean, we, we, I interviewed the, uh, the CEO of, of CLC, uh, speaking of the you video, did. had some, some interesting stuff to say that that'll be on collegiate sports connect, uh, in the near future. Talk with Julie Cromer of, of the D one, uh, one of the co-chairs with Greg Sankey of the, of the D one transformation committee, which uh, again, I mentioned it earlier, you know, there, the, there's a board meeting that uh, there will be news on that coming out on Thursday as well. Uh, likely right after, uh, USC and UCLA make, made their moves official. So, it, it, it's wild to think, you know, you have all those conversations and then uh, you can just throw it right out the window, given the, given the news out of Los Angeles this, uh, this week. Yeah, we're well, well, there's a lot of interesting stuff on Collegiate Sports Connect that was dropped over the past several days. And they're still editing and adding some more of those long conversations with various athletic directors uh, and, 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 and not just the CLC, but others in the industry there as well. Uh, finally, last note, if you enjoy this show, five stars on Spotify. Five stars on Apple Podcasts, five stars wherever you find everything here. Uh, I, uh, I do have to rush very quickly because I have a source calling, and I think you probably have some people calling too, so trying to figure out what the hell just happened. But in the meantime, everyone, thank you so much for all of your support. Uh, we'll see you on the internet again very soon.